You are now listening to the London International Christian Church Podcast. Thank you. I am so honored and I love Michelle so much too. Um, I'm very honored to be here. I just feel so like I have goosebumps. I'm excited because I feel the spirit working so much. I mean, we've been coming to London every year for the last, I think, four years. Uh, I remember when uh, Tim and Leanne were here and we did the first Women's Day, kind of. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was very small, but it's, it's great to see the hearts. Um, you know, seeing so many of you grow and mature and then the way God is gathering people from around the world. It's wonderful to have so many churches now in Europe that are unified and really being family. And it's wonderful to have our dear sister from Paris, Stephanie. Um, you know, it's just great how people that love God will be brought together. And even though I believe we were very scattered, I believe God disciplined us, um, disciplined Kip and I too, all of us as well as I believe Satan was trying to destroy us. And that's why the topic that we're going to talk about today is so important. Hearts on fire to worship God. And um, the definition of worship, this is the influence of a dear sister, Patrice Smelly. A lot of you know her. She's a lawyer that's gone into the ministry. She always defines her words. And the definition of worship is... And, it, and the noun definition is reverence given to God. Mm-hmm. And that's what I want to talk about is our lives, uh, just giving our whole reverence and desire to please God. Mm-hmm. And it will manifest itself in different ways yeah. at different times in our lives. But our heart is there. It's on fire to worship mm-hmm. God. Let's turn to Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I could talk... <laughs> Believe it or not, I could talk for a long time uh, on this subject, but um, I want to be sensitive to Patricia and Michelle and then to have some time of sharing. Um, so I'm just going to hit a few things that I really believe have helped me in my life um, and have helped other sisters like Michelle just to remember who we are as God's daughters. In Romans 12, verse 1 and 2, it says, Therefore I urge you, sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And, you know, as Michelle shared earlier, in view of God's mercy, um, just to remember what you've been saved from, always keep that in mind. Uh, We don't deserve anything we have. Our relationship with God, first and foremost, we don't deserve that. But God loves us so much that he wants that relationship. And even thinking about all of our sins that we've been forgiven of before we were Christians and as Christians. Because you sin a lot even as a Christian, especially in your heart and your mind. Uh, You get more in touch with that. And uh, my first point I want to talk about is your personal worship. As it says here, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. You know, we really are trying to revere God in your personal just 
your walk with him, your your quiet time, and um, your time with him is so precious. You will not miss it. Um, you will not allow distractions of the babies or, you know, um, when Kip and I first got married, I was actually working as a full-time occupational therapist in Illinois. When he was sharing about the campus ministry, I was commuting an hour in the snow. I'm Cuban. I didn't know how to drive in snow, and and I remember I had to get up sometimes at like four in the morning just to have my quiet time to drive to work and then I'd be with patients all day, intense brain damaged people trying to do therapy to help them. Then I'd drive home, fix a quick meal for Kip and we'd have dinner together even though it was not always the most uh, fancy of meals. Um, and then we'd go and have Bible talks in the dorms and you know I led women's Bible talks um, for the college women and it was so good for me but it was hard sometimes to make the discipline of having that personal worship. Though I wouldn't have survived all these 38 years as a Christian if I didn't have that personal worship, that time with God. There's something about being in God's Word and then meditating and praying that just really renews you. Uh, the Holy Spirit just works in your mind and your heart in a way that nothing else can. And you can't take that for granted. And I think some of us do. We get caught up in the busyness of life, especially I think when you're a young mom. I know for me, I had to just get up earlier before the kids got up to have my time with God. Um, and you figure it out. Whatever will work for you, you need to have your times with God. Um, you know, and meditate, think as you read the scriptures, how I can be like Jesus more and more, how I can be what God is calling me to be pleasing to him. And, you know, I, I love the way the Bible exposes things in our hearts that sometimes you don't even realize. Yes. Um, you know, bitterness or anxiety, you know, and Michelle was sharing, um, you know, I have to constantly pray not to be worried. Um, I worry about, you know, our kids. I worry about what's going on in this crazy world. I'll worry about the church. I'll worry about Kip, of course, you know, because he gets life threatening things all the time. And then, you know, he's getting older. And, you know, he, I'm so grateful. He's got a lot of energy and drive and passion. Um, but you never know, and you want to just treasure life. So I have to pray all the time. I pray during my quiet times, but throughout the day, that's the only way to overcome anxiety. Um, you don't need medication necessarily, though maybe some people do. I'm not going to be saying it's to use medicine, but for the most part, I, I just rely on God to deal with the anxiety and the worries that our world can put on us, because we live in such a crazy, crazy world. Um, you know, there's things that co go on all the time, especially in L.A., uh, those of you who have lived in L.A., people drive like maniacs there, and half of them are stoned on pot or whatever. Um, and they're cracking down on that, but it's, it's just crazy. People are very angry. Um, and so you have to really pray a lot to be at peace and in control of those emotions. The world doesn't grab you into all that negativity, but you stay connected with God. Um, my second point, um, we need to have this worship in our congregational times with the body. Congregational worship should be pleasing to God. Yes. And let's turn to a famous scripture, Hebrews 10, um, that we've hopefully memorized in first principles and have it in our heart. It says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on, sisters, towards love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. 
You know, I think one of the best things that helped us in 2003, you know, we were fired from the ministry. Um, there's a lot of craziness going on. And one of the best things that helped us is God moving us to Portland to a hurting church. They were hurting a lot. So I had to think, oh, i got to help these women. i got to give. i got to love. i got to encourage rather than focusing in on all my little pains. And, and yes, I did open up and share things with the sisters that I got closer to. Um, the shepherding couples that God put in our lives here were awesome. The Bordieres and the Antoines. But when we come to church, we you know perfectly well leaders in here want to be leaders. You come to give. You come to encourage. You come to love, as it says here. You consider how you can spur your brothers and sisters on to love and good deeds. And even all the visitors that come, you have no idea how much they're hurting. And, you know, without God, you know people are hurting. Remember what you were like without God, uh, the crazy thoughts you had. So when you come to church, come to give. Come early. Um, and, you know, especially when you have little kids, you've got to really organize and figure out your life so you are not, are not distracted with your children. Mm-hmm. I always had sisters that I trained that were close to me, that were like, you know, knew, they were like family, how to help me with the children. Because we had three kids, boom, 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 close together. Mm-hmm. It was the Lord. I mean, it wasn't our plan. Uh, but I'm grateful. And, you know, it really helped me to understand how to teach the other women to be good mothers, but also to give in the fellowship and to help our children how to be able to be outgoing and love people and not to be so self-focused. But come early to, to serve and to think how you can encourage. Um, in First Corinthians 14, 15, you don't need to just write it down. It talks about when you sing, you sing with your spirit and your mind to honor God. And when you come to church, again, singing is to adore God and praise Him. And I, again, I, singing music just says something to me again. Yeah. It's so powerful. I mean, I play music a lot at home. I sing a lot because I know it helps my heart. Yeah. But I don't know, when you come to church, are you really singing with your mind and your heart? Or are you just doing it because, you know, everybody else is doing it? No, we need to do it because we want to worship God and honor Him. And even if you don't know the song, yeah, it is funny when we travel, sometimes you sing songs in other parts of the world that we don't sing. Though I'm grateful Kip and I get to travel so we're learning more songs. Um, you know, I'll never forget when we moved to Portland, um, there were some songs that you guys sang that I didn't know. And then the one that I love is Go and Make Disciples of All Nations. Um, you know, that was a song that has been thrown out of the repertoire of a lot of churches. And it's a beautiful song. And, you know, I'm not going to go into all the... Uh, there's so many awesome songs that hopefully you find adoring God builds your heart and your spirit. Um, the third uh, act of worship is daily worship. And in Second Timothy 4, it's just right before, Paul's attitude about his worship. Second Timothy 4, verse... 6 through 8, Paul says, For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time has come for my departure. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Again, the attitude of wanting to be poured out as a drink offering. And in Numbers, uh, chapters 27 and 28, you don't need to read it now, but it talks about how important the drink offering was with the sacrifice of lambs mm-hmm. and the birds and you know, the different sacrifices that 
the Jews made back in that day. Well, Paul's saying that we pour ourselves out, our lives, who we are for God. Um, and, and it's an honor. He says, I have fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I've kept the faith because of the crown of righteousness we're going to receive on that last day as it talks about. But I don't know if you think about that. You know, do you think about in your daily life that what I'm doing, how is it going to affect eternity? Um, you know, because sometimes we get all upset about things that don't really matter. They're not going to affect eternity. You know, and I'm not saying you shouldn't care about getting the laundry done or getting your groceries and all that. You need to care about those things. But maybe you don't get it done to the perfection that, you know, I don't know if some of you are perfectionists. I know I used to be. I'm not anymore. You can't be. <laughs> you know, you just get, you know, the basic sound of life and, and don't sweat over silly things. Um, but your daily worship where you really want to give yourself, pour yourself out. And again, I talked about your quiet time. I have a schedule that I work on every day. I pray about my schedule. And this is something that my spiritual grandma, her name was Irene Gerganis. Um, she was an incredible woman. She died oh, probably in 2004, I guess it was. Uh, but her and her husband had been missionaries, and they came and joined us in the Boston movement when they were both in their 70s. Wow. And they stayed in Boston for a couple years. They wanted to retrain, retread, as Kim talked about. And they wanted to go and help revive this mission church that they had planted in the 50s in Tokyo, Japan. And they did go as missionaries. And, you know, those of you who have ever traveled to Japan, it's a very different culture from the Western culture. And you stand out when you're, you know, from another culture. But they love the people so much. And it, without them, we wouldn't have probably had a great church there. Um, and the young couple that went with them, dear friends of ours, uh, it was just so powerful when you have younger people working with older people that are unified in spreading the gospel, like you have with the wonderful example of the McGee's and the Mejia's in D.C. And, what, you know, we just need those, um, those people in our lives. Those, but she told me back in the early days of Boston, Elena, don't just pray about your schedule. Something falls through. It must have been because God Amen. didn't want it to happen. So you don't stress over things. Um, you know, and there have been times when I have all this stuff, people I want to get with, things I want to do, phone calls I need to make, and I don't get them all done. But there's some reason that God hasn't allowed. Not that I don't try, and I think sometimes when you're overwhelmed or have too much, you don't even try. So you don't want to do that. You want to pray and let God guide you in your daily schedule. Um, and then every week, Kip and I work on a schedule together, because we're married. We're one. And you do need to coordinate your life with your husband. Um, and we have a D time, a discipling time every week, where we talk about different things going on. Um, and we also work through our schedule. And again, we pray about our schedule. And we pray together every night about the things that God has done in a good way, but things that we need to deal with the next day. And, you know, you never even know what tomorrow may bring, as the Bible talks about. But, you know, is your life really productive and effective? Um, you know, and I do believe if you don't have a schedule, it's because of the world we live in. We live in a very structured world. You've got to have a schedule um, for your sake, for your sanity's sake. Um, you don't want to be overwhelmed and stressed out. And then even with your children, they need a schedule as well. You know, I do uh, believe that women, you know, you need to figure out who you are and the kind of rest you need. Yes. Um, I do need a little bit more rest than Kit. 
Um, though we go to bed together, a lot of times we'll play together. Sometimes he'll get on up and work some more, or he'll get up earlier than me. Um, you know, I, you need to figure yourself out. Emotionally, if I don't get a certain amount of sleep, I can skip one night, you know, like get less because of an emergency or study that went long. But if I do it night after night, I'm an emotional basket case. And then you get run down and you get sick. So you do need to take care of a disciplined time when you go to bed, when you get up in the morning, and not to be um, just allowing your life to take you out of control. Um, the, the next area of daily worship is that you focus on a few. And Jesus, you know, he focused on the 12, but he also had a few women. There were three women in Luke 8, verse 1 through 3, that followed Jesus and the disciples. And they helped support Jesus, even, out of their own means. Um, and, you know, as women, we maybe can't work with 12 women or 12 people because we have children or we have jobs or, you know. You've got to figure out, again, who you can really focus in on. Um, and then figure out your disciples' love language, what inspires them, what helps them, encourages them. Uh, forceful advancement is another thing that Kip talked about. Uh, our outreach, you know, so much of our outreach um, happens in our home, um, you know, through neighbors, having people over, non-Christians that I've met, you know, I have them over, they see something different in your home, prayerfully. <laughs> they see the peace, they see a sense of order and love. Um, but it's really important that we share our lives and the gospel. Um, and I think I've got to move on my time. Um, but discipline is super, super important um, and focusing on a few uh, where you really pray about the people God wants you to be working with and devoted to. Um, and then the next area is family worship. Um, how many of you have children at home right now? Yeah, over half of you have children, yeah. So it's really important that you have a sense of family worship, where you have a family devotional every week, where you pray, you sing, you share um, your lives spiritually. And I think dinner time or whatever meal time that you have every day to connect with your children um, is super important. Um, again, do your children really see how much you love God? You know, do they see how much you love your, each other when you're married? Because um, those things are things that are lasting that your children are going to take with them. And it helps them a lot to find security and strength. Mm -hmm. And then do your children see that you really love the church and that you're really passionate about seeking and saving the law? Mm -hmm. um, again, these are things that they're going to be impressed with, as Deuteronomy 6 talks about. Um, but, you know, are your hearts on fire where you have a passion to please God, like it says in Romans 12? And you're not conforming to the world, and the world wants to conform you so much uh, with materialism, with selfishness, uh, with just making excuses rather than being called higher to be like Jesus, to be excellent. And I do believe, um, you know, when our hearts are on fire to worship God with our lives, it will be in our personal worship, it will be in our congregational worship, it will be in our daily worship, and it will be in our family worship. And the song we sang today, There's Much to Do, is true. That's an oldie goldie. You know, and I love the chorus. It says, Here am I, send me, Lord. Here am I, send me. Ready at thy bidding, Lord, send me. Is that your heart? Are you ready to do God's will and really be a living sacrifice? Really pour yourself out. And then it says, There's a plaintive cry of mourning souls distressed. You know, people are really distressed and hurting out there. And their hearts are just longing to have what we have. 
And I think sometimes we forget that. And please remember how much God has blessed your life, and therefore we just pass it on. Um, But it it is awesome to be with you guys. We'll have a time of sharing and great time of fellowship the next few days. I'm going to turn it on over now to Patricia Boomba. We would like to thank you for listening to that episode of the podcast. If you would like video versions of these episodes, whether it's sermon highlights or interviews, feel free to check us out on our website or view them on our YouTube channel. That's londonchurch.org.uk. That's L-O-N-D-O-N-C-H-U-R-C-H.org.uk. And for all other updates and information, whether it's services, events or devotionals you can find all that on our website also once again we'd like to thank you for listening and we'll catch you on the next one